Uh, I've titled the message today, Three Defining Words. And I didn't put the extra stuff in there, but three defining words for 2020. I always try on this Sunday, the Sunday that everybody's back, we're getting ready to go back to school, to preach a message um, focused on maybe a, a, a new thing to think about as we go into the new year. I'm not one that's big on resolutions and all of that. I, I believe that, you know, I, my life and our lives as Christians, every day is a resolution, right? Every day we wake up and uh, we should be in a position to want to obey God and to get to get stronger and to grow. And some days we fail in that way and, and God forgives us and God helps us and we grow through our failures uh, one of uh, our Sunday school, uh, uh, in Sunday school today, we were reminded, you know, that sometimes through our failures, um, we, uh, we learn the most, and, and so we're always, we're resolute in our spirit as Christians to obey God and to be faithful to Him and to grow, so, you know, I'm not big on, okay, January 1st, we start something new, but I do like to maybe use this time to, to focus maybe on, on, on a thought or, or a direction or something of that nature. And I've done different things throughout the years. But this week, God gave me three words for my own personal life that I'm going to try to focus on this year. Three words that, that I hope I can employ in a better way into my life. And I believe it's something that we need in light of the days that we're living in. Okay? So... I want us to take our Bibles and go to the 119th Psalm, verses 1 through 16. Stand with me, and as you stand, if you're a person that likes to write in your Bible, underline words, put parentheses around words, or what have you, what I'd like you to really key in on are the main words that deal with God's Word. You'll see words like decrees, precepts, commands. Anytime you see a word like that, or you, you see God's word, underline it, circle it, put parentheses around it. Just notice how many times this passage of Scripture talks about that, and you'll see why that's important here in just a moment. Okay, so Psalm 119, beginning in verse 1. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law, of the Lord. Now, just to give you an idea, law, that's one, that's one word there you can circle or underline. Blessed are those who keep his statutes. Not statues, but statutes, his, his word, the things that he has declared. And seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person... Stay on the path to purity. Now, we're fortunate to have a lot of young people in our church. I don't know if you noticed, but when Brother Eric announced it's time for the children to go to children's church, I love when we have plenty of them. 
And the reason why is that it ensures that, you know, we're going to have kids here in the future. And, 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 and it's good and healthy to have them. So I want you to have plenty of kids. Some of you young couples, it's time to get started. I want you to have plenty grandchildren. You know, I don't want to have any more kids, but I want to have more grandchildren. Uh, so it's good to see those young little skulls full of mush running to children's church. And I would love to think that they're running because they're so excited about going to children's church. But they probably are. But part of it is, too, they're running to get out of here. They're like, nope, don't want to be around with that preacher. Okay. So we, have, we also have some youth, you know, and, and I, I really believe, and, and I wasn't there on the mission trip, but I, I, got, I get a sense that, that, man, for Brother Cameron and, and Katrina, this was, this was a, a, a great moment of bonding with some of their kids and, and them with their youth pastor. And, and we baptized two brothers here recently, and we've got some young people. You notice the young people on the stage you know, playing instruments, they have their own band. They're, so we've got some young people. And then we have some young couples here in this church that have just gotten married recently, not long ago. And we have some that got married maybe a couple of years ago, and you have kids. So we've got young people. So what the Bible says here, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Those of you who are young in here, man, your ears ought to perk up. You ought to be like that deer that hears a hunter moving up in a tree. You need to listen. How can you do it? By living according to your word. There's the answer. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? How can a young person have a great life? How can a young person stay on the right path? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Just the last two verses. Precepts, ways, decrees, word. I will not neglect your word. So there's a theme here, and I'd like to share that with you, but let's pray first. Father, thank you that you give us your word, your decrees, your statutes, your precepts, your law, your ways, your commands. Boy, it's clear to us. We're not alone in this world and on this earth to journey without a road map. We have a road map, but we have more than a road map. We have the living Savior through the Holy Spirit living within us, Your Word that guides us. Your Word tells us, Your Word that I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against You. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Thank you that we have your word. And help us to see for 2020 how we can appropriate your word into our lives even more. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. So there are three words I want to talk to you about 
that, that I see that jump out to me primarily in this passage here, okay? The first one is truth, okay? The first one is truth. So, if you take all, all the words that, that the psalmist uses here to identify God's Word, I've just summed it all up in, in, in the word truth. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. But you see the word law, the word statutes, the word precepts, decrees, um, word, decrees, statutes, precepts, ways, decrees, word. You see all of those to describe God's truth. God's truth. So the three words I want to talk to you about today, the first one is truth. As I walk into 2020, there are a lot of lies out there that are, that are um, ready to, to greet me every day that I wake up. Every day that I wake up. You know, I can grab my phone and look at social media and immediately see all kinds of lies about how the world works. And I can see all kinds of lies about what God thinks about me. And all you got to do is go to the Twitter mob and, and see them just, just rip and destroy people left and right. The Bible says that, that Satan is our enemy and he comes to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. It also says that he is the, the accuser of the brethren. And Satan will tell you every day that you live that you don't measure up. You're not as good as the next guy. You're not as faithful as this person. You're not as holy as that person. You're not good enough before God to even pray. So don't even pray. Don't even come to me in prayer. Satan is telling you about God. But it's all a lie. How do we defeat the lies in our life? It's through the truth of God's Word. Look at several passages of Scripture that underscore the point that I want to make here and uh, and we'll expound on it for just a moment here John 17 17 the Bible says this Jesus is praying and he says father sanctify them by the truth and he's talking about his disciples and in his high priestly prayer in John 17 he's also talking about those who have yet to receive him that's us and he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Okay? John 14, 6. Who is that truth personified in? Jesus answered and he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says of himself, I am the truth. And in Matthew 24, 35, these are just a few scriptures I'm giving you. There's so many more that we can talk about when it comes to the truth in God's Word. Heaven and earth will pass away. Well, what do we say when somebody dies? We say they have passed away, right? Heaven and earth are going to die. A new heaven and a new earth will be, will be created. But heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away never pass away doesn't matter how times change and how people's opinions change and what you know what was wrong 10 years ago is now right in society's eyes and what was right 10 years ago is now wrong in society's eyes sometimes 
But the one thing we can be sure of is this, is that if we dedicate ourselves as Christians to living our lives by the truth of God's Word, we will never be led astray, ever. And I believe in 2020 that it's incumbent upon you and me to get back to the Bible, to get back to the truth of God's Word, to begin to pour our lives into the Bible. The psalmist is saying here that I want to obey your decrees, your precepts. I want to follow them. I I want them to get into my heart. I want to seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's not enough for you and I to read God's word. We need to know God's word and apply it to our lives and put it into our hearts. That's the only way we'll be able to live it. And so when you don't have a Bible readily available to you, which is kind of impossible today if you have a, a cell phone and you have you know smartphone you have all a bible app and all that but let's say you, you you can't access it or what have you if you have god's word flowing in your heart and you're not just reading it but you're devouring it you're you're imparting it into your lives you're doing what it says you're gonna have the ability to combat the lies that come against what god says the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, or it might be 2 Corinthians, but one of the Corinthians, it says that um, we need to uh, bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. I don't have to be ruled by my temptations, by my thoughts, by nastiness in my heart. I can bring every thought that comes in my mind and measure it up against the truth of God's Word and find out whether or not that's a thought that should even be there. Bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. And so, guys, the world's going to lie to us and it's going to tell us all kinds of things. But the truth of God... Look, I know... You know, we're, we're a politicized nation that we live in. And you all know where I stand. I mean, I, I rarely vote for candidates. I vote for truth. I vote for life. I will never vote for a politician that believes that it's okay to murder a child in the womb. I never will do it. I won't. I'm not always voting for a pastor when I vote for a politician. But I do know this, that even in voting for somebody, I know that the answer to life's problems are not in a politician and they will never be solved in Washington, D.C. I know the answer to life's problems are right here in the Word of God through Jesus Christ. That's what I know. And my hope will be in Him and His truth. And his word and what God says about me. The Bible says that a man's life does not consist in the things that he has. The world tells us to live the American dream and accumulate all this stuff and that'll make you happy. But I can tell you as a pastor of 35 years that it doesn't make you happy and people who have all kinds of stuff are actually the most miserable because they have more things to worry about than the person that doesn't have stuff. Truth. That's a word that I think we need to really contemplate as we go into 2020. Am I going to live 
by the ways of the culture? Am I going to live by the whims of what Hollywood says? What a politician says? Or am I going to live by the Word of God that will live on beyond heaven and earth? I'm taking the Word of God. And not just cultural things, guys, but spiritual things that we apply to our life. See, going to church is not the end all. It's important. It's one part of our Christian life. Being a part of a body is important. It's being part of a family. Jesus died for the church. But if you think that just going to church and checking that box off every week, right, Coach? Checking that box off is, is, is oh, I'm doing my Christian duty. That's another you know, notch in my belt. That's an, and God's going to, you know, he's going to put, I got more notches than I don't have, you know. That, that's not how it is. Being a part of a church is organic. It's, it's who you are. It's like being part of a family. It's, it, it, it's who, who we are, what we do because of what Christ has done for us. The word church, ecclesia, the called out ones. We're called out. And we meet here for a big, this is like, this is a big family dinner. This is like Thanksgiving every week. This is what this is. And it's really like Thanksgiving when we have dinner on the grounds, man. That's when it's really good. And we break bread together and it's fun and all of that. But we have those moments. But what's important is that I don't just say I go to church, but I live the truth. Start living it. See, the truth teaches me how to forgive. The truth teaches me how to treat other people. The truth tells me how to face my problems. The truth teaches me how I should handle my finances. The truth teaches me how I should treat my spouse. The truth teaches me how I handle problems. The truth teaches me what I should do, as Brother Eric was leading us earlier, when we're in the middle of a storm. And how I should sing and sing praises to God and raise a hallelujah to Him. Truth. I have based my life, and every one of us who are Christians have done the same thing. We have based our life on the truth of God's Word. It's either all true or none of it's true. And I'm going to tell you what I've, al- what I've always said. You say, well, how do you know it? See, I don't know it just intellectually. There's an old saying that a lot of people will miss heaven by 18 inches, the distance between their brain and their heart. It's not enough to know it intellectually. The demons know who Jesus is and they tremble with fear. But truth has to be internalized. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you have received the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when you receive Him, You have Him living within you through the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit will help you to understand the Word of God and apply these truths to your life. So truth 
is so important. Let me give you a second word, and it's right there with it because it's the second part. Obey. Not enough to know truth. I've heard the old saying, a head full of Scripture but a heart full of sin. Have you ever heard that? I've heard it. I'll be honest with you, it's one of my weaknesses, one of the things that really disgusts me as a, as a Christian, as a pastor. You, people, and I've seen it over, over the years, people who know so much about Scripture. Man, they can argue with you about this and about that, and they can tell you this and tell you that. They know it intellectually, but they don't live it in their lives. Notice what the scripture says here in Psalm 119. He talks about, he says here in verse 1, he says, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law. Blessed are those who keep his statutes. Verse 4, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Verse 5, oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees the psalmist is not saying that he's perfect but all he wants to obey all of what god says to be obedient to do to do if you really study the scripture and particularly the new testament in particular you'll begin to see jesus speaking so much about doing about doing look at what John chapter 2 verse 5 says this is the wedding at Cana and this is where Jesus turned water into wine and we can debate all day long whether or not that was freshly squeezed grape juice or what have you that's not the point of, of, of this the point is this a lot of people miss this Mary was there and she told his disciples she said this Whatever Jesus says to you, whatever he tells you, do it. That's what she said to his servants. Whatever he tells you. The Christmas song, Mary, did you know that you're ba-? She knew then. She knew who he was. I believe she knew a lot because it's, it says in her song where, you know, when she found out that she was conceived of the Holy Spirit, that I rejoice in God my Savior. She knew who he was. She knew what, what, what was happening. She may not have known all the details. She wasn't God and she, she wasn't perfect, but she knew. God told her what was going on. And then at, at this point in time, she said to them, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And as a pastor, can I advise you to do exactly what Mary said? Whatever the Word of God tells you to do, because Jesus is the Word of God, whatever He says, you do it. That's what I need to do with my life. Obedience is so important. Obedience. Look at 1 Samuel 15, 22. I'll just give you this, and, and I'll give you kind of a little bit of the background. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, But Samuel replied, does the, Lord, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? So he says here, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. You say, what does that mean? 
So here was Samuel, the prophet of God, going to confront the king of Israel at the time, Saul, whom God had told to go and destroy the Amalekites and all of these people. And you say, why would God do that? And here's, think about this. How many times you hear people say, why doesn't God do something about evil? If he's such a good God, why doesn't he do something about evil? But in the Old Testament, when he does do something about evil, and there's a bunch of savages who are murdering people and burning their children to the God of Molech, and yet he comes and he says, wipe them out. Everybody says, oh, what kind of God would do that? Well, what is it? Do you want him to wipe out evil or not? And so God told Israel to go take care of that and do not keep the spoils for yourself don't keep their their cows don't keep their sheep don't keep anything destroy it all well Saul decided that he would he knew better than God so he would keep some of it and when the prophet of God came to confront him he basically said, oh, Samuel, the prophet of God, you're just in time. We're going to have this sacrificial offering to God with these lambs and all of this. And that's where Saul was confronted by Samuel. And Samuel said, oh, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obedience? To obey is better than to sacrifice. And that's where he says, and to heed do what God says is better than the fat of rams. See, a lot of times we don't obey the truth and we think we know better than God. And here was the, the case. And right there, God stripped the kingdom of Israel from Saul. Even though he remained king, God took his anointing off of him and it was, he was, he was a, a, a walking dead man, a walking dead king, basically. And because he disobeyed God. See, sometimes we rationalize why we should do what we do. And we're thinking of other people as opposed to thinking of God. We need to obey God. Listen to me. Your mama might want you to do something, and your mama might be a lovely woman, and she might have raised you in a godly way and done some, wrong, uh, some right things by you. But if what your mama is asking you to do is ungodly and wrong you must disobey your mother as an adult now as a child you obey your parents and if they lead you to do something that's sinful that is on them to obey is better than to sacrifice I think what we need in our lives, what I need in my life, is I need more of the truth, not less of it, more of it, and I need more doing of the truth. That's what I need. Look at what James 4.17 says. It's an interesting scripture here, James 4.17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin. For them. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. You say, well, so what you're saying, preacher, is this. I should not have to study God's Word because what I don't know, God's not going to hold me accountable for. No, 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 no. We have God's Word, and it's, it's our lifeblood. 
there are so many things that we know we ought to do. And we not to do it, it's sin. So to obey is better than sacrifice. See, please don't misunderstand me. Going to church is good. But that doesn't trump disobedience. I don't mean that in any way. Meaning, obedience. Coming to church, God's not going to wipe out your disobedience. Repentance is what gets him to clean that. Obeying his word. To repent. So, truth and obey. Man, if I take the truth and then I begin to do what it says. Hey, if I begin to do what it says in my marriage, the Bible says here, blessed are those whose ways are blameless. So if I'm selfish in my marriage toward my wife, I'm not a blessed man. I'm a cursed man. If I want to be a blessed man, I need to obey what God says and do what he says. So that means I've got to deny myself. It means that I have to live with a spirit of understanding toward my wife and understand that I don't understand her and I never will understand her. That's what the Bible says. So that my prayers will not be hindered. I need to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That means that I can't be selfish and I have to sacrifice myself for her. I've got to be willing to obey. It means not being my kids' friends all the time, but sometimes actually being a parent and saying, no, we're not doing that, and you're not going to do that. And I don't care how much fit you throw or whatever, but just know this, in our household, nobody cries for free. I always had a rule. There has to be a reason why you cry. So when you're little... You're crying either because you soiled your pants, <laughs> you, you know, you, you need to be changed, you're hungry, you're sick, or you got a whooping. We just changed you, we just fed you, and you're not sick, and you're crying. So guess what that leaves us with? If you're going to cry, that's kind of the way we rolled. Right, wrong, or indifferent. But it's not always to be your children's friend. I had one of my children one time said, Dad, I'd like to do this in the church. And I said, you can't. And he said, why? I said, because your life doesn't measure up to the standard that we need in that area. doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that, 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 that we don't want you there. But that area of service requires a higher level of dedication and commitment. And an, you don't get rewarded with an uncommitted life with a place of leadership. What does the Bible say? Those who are faithful in the least will be made ruler of many. So to obey God when it came to that. I've had to obey God over the years and I still want to when I'm angry at somebody and how God wants me to deal with it. And it's the way to go. The last thing is this, the last word. 
Three defining words. Truth, obey, and humility. Humility. Let me read these scriptures to you, and then let's talk about it for just a moment. James 4.10, look what the Bible says here. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Some of us sometimes think we know more than God. Some of us try to play God. I have tried to play God in my own life. That's arrogant. And I need to humble myself before the mighty hand of God and let Him do the lifting up. Philippians 2.3. We preached a whole sermon on this back in the summer. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but rather in humility. Value others above yourself in humility. And then Proverbs 11.2 says this. These are just, a, just two or three scripture here, scriptures here that, that I wanted to point to here. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Have you ever known an arrogant person? I have. And the first one that I ever met is standing on this stage. Okay? But I've met others. Isn't it amazing how everyone knows that that person is full of himself or herself except that very person? That's the height of arrogance. And I don't mean to dump on our younger people because I don't see that in all of them or I don't see that in a whole lot of them. I may not see that in any of them. But I know this. I know that when we're younger sometimes, we're more idealistic and we, we, we think that we might know better in some areas. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we do have a better plan. But sometimes what happens is, I know, I know this is my journey, okay? Let me put it to you that way. I know this is partly my journey, that, that when I was in my 20s, I could fix the world if they just listened to me. And then I got in my 30s, and I was like, well, nobody wants to listen to me, so obviously, what's, what's going on here? And then I got to my 40s, and... And, and I began to realize that, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I, I don't know everything. Matter of fact, there's a whole lot I don't know. And then when I turned, got close to 50, I realized I don't know nothing. <laughs> I don't know anything, I should say, proper grammar. Except that which God gives me. So what I'm getting at is when I was younger, I valued my own opinion way too much. And as I've grown in my walk with the Lord, I don't have a whole lot of high um, thoughts about my own opinion because they're just opinions. And that takes me back to number one. Where I'm at in my life now, in my Christian walk, 
I'm interested in truth, not opinion. I'm interested in obedience. And God help me to walk with a spirit of humility. Because God doesn't need me. I've been a pa- the pastor here for 24 years, going on 25. God could raise up a pastor a hundred times better than me, just like that. God chooses to use me, but He doesn't need me. I don't need to be wise in my own opinion. And yes, I'm a pastor, so I have to do a lot of talking and a lot of preaching, but I find myself in in this part of my life now wanting to to listen more, wanting to learn more. Please tell me what you think. I may totally disagree with it, but I want to hear it. Maybe something you're saying in there might give me a, a different way to look at it. So I think that as we go into 2020, notice what I said, I think. I know based on Scripture. That humility is something I need to grow in. It's something I want to be better at. What that means is not being so wise in your own opinion. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And willing to to trust God through the difficult times. You know, I don't fully understand the scripture that I read where it says, um, humble yourself before God and He will lift you up. I think I know what that scripture means, the second part. But if it means I need to be humble so that God can lift me up, then I'm not being humble. Because I don't want to be lifted up. The Bible says if Jesus is lifted up, He will do what? He will draw all men into Himself. So I want Jesus to be lifted up. But I think what God is saying is that, is that in humility, God will use you. God knows. He knows the truth. Walk in humility with me, God is saying. And let God get the glory for it. I got a long way to go in that, y'all. But man, I want to be more like Jesus, don't you? I want to be more like Him. I want to lift him up, and I want him to get the glory. I don't want people to come to church to hear Brother Corey preach. I want people to come to church to meet with God. That's what I want. Those are the three words that are churning inside of me right now. Truth, obedience, humility. For you, it might be something different. 
what? This is my calling. I'm a pastor, so I'm going to give you the three words that God's given me. Notice that sounded arrogant, didn't it? <laughs> but it's, it's my assignment, I should say. And I want to share with you what God's placed in my heart. I don't know what that means for you. It's amazing. I could be preaching on marriage, and the Holy Spirit will take it and speak to you about obedience. Right? It's amazing how God works. And so I hope that you can take these three words into 2020. They're more than words. It's a lifestyle. And apply them into your life. Let me ask you something. Be honest with me. Those of you who went on the mission trip, now I know that you volunteered to go. Nobody, nobody voluntold you to go. But as you got close to, to leaving for the mission trip, didn't they kind of feel like, man, I got some things I got to do, I want to do around here, right? Anybody? Anybody? I, I got a million things, especially those of you who work for a living um, and, you know, I mean, taking a week off of your life. But you did it. You obeyed. Let me ask you this. Aren't you glad you went? You're glad you did, right? You're glad you humbled yourself. And while maybe a lot of your buddies and friends were hunting and fishing, or for those of you who like doing that, or going to the mall, for those of you who like doing that, or whatever it might be, while they were all doing that, or playing their video games, doing all that, you were waking up every morning early to go work on a house. But you see, you weren't just working on a house. You were building relationships and you were obeying God and God was using you in a mighty way to change somebody's life. I know you changed somebody's life because one of your buddies, Chris, that you met over there has asked to be my friend on Facebook. <laughs> like, look, man, keep your friends to yourself. Man, I like my friend. I don't want no new friend. No, I'm just kidding. So, yeah. Y'all know who I'm talking about, right? You impacted that guy's life because of truth, obedience. And you humbled yourself. God used you. And that's where you want to be in life. Okay, I don't know how to end it, but that's about where I'm at. Let's stand, everybody. I'll be humble enough to say that. I don't, I don't know the next step. We'll let the Lord take care of that. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that you, were, you allowed me to get this out of me to share with your people. This flock of believers here. I thank you for the growth that I see, not only in my life, but in their lives. And that's why I knew that they would be receptive to hearing this today. So, Father, help us to love your truth and then to obey it and to walk humbly with our God. I pray that as we go into 2020, I know as Brother Eric mentioned earlier in the worship service, that, boy, there's going to be stuff that's going to happen. 
Help us to remember in the midst of the storm. Your word is truth. Your son is truth. He is the truth. And that by obeying you, we'll have victory. We'll be blessed beyond measure. How can we keep our way pure? By doing, by obeying your word and living with humility. So, Father, however you've spoken to us today, we give this moment and this time to you. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would burn these truths into our hearts. We live by it. Be used by you. So that Jesus would get the glory. And we'd take as many of our loved ones and friends and people we meet along the way to heaven with us. I don't know how God's spoken to you today, but the altar will be open for you to pray. I'll be here if you want somebody to pray with you. We have others that can do the same. I love you, church. I can't wait for us to move into this new year. It's here. A lot of exciting things are going to happen around here and a lot of things we have no idea about. And a lot of challenges are going to come. But let's keep these three principles, these three words in our hearts and minds. And God will give us the victory. And He will get the glory. And we pray it in His name. Amen.